Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead. We wanted to start this morning just thanking a person who left us a review. They said that they are not Catholic or Christian. They are Buddhist. And they left a very just kind and encouraging and affirming review. And we were just really blessed by this person's openness and their humility. So we wanted to thank that person and let that person know that it inspired us to want to be more humble and to be more open. I think today a lot of people get so emotionally charged when someone disagrees with them. They don't want to have their views challenged and it kind of makes us surround ourselves with people that think just like us. Yeah, when I look at messaging boards online anywhere, anytime someone disagrees, they're throwing in insults or talking to the other person like they're an idiot or something like that. And even when I have conversations with people, most people I don't think can have a conversation about something they disagree about and not have it be an emotional thing, which prevents dialogue. Yeah, and and good conversations and and growing. And this person saw that this was a Catholic podcast and was open to listening to it anyway. And we just thought that was really just humble and really cool. And it reminded me, Pope Francis, he actually gave um, some suggestions for New Year's resolutions. And one of his suggestions was to befriend those who disagree. And he said, when, when leaders ask for my advice, my response is always the same. Dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. It's the only way for individuals, families, and societies to grow. And I think if we can be a people who can not be so defensive and emotional and we can have conversations, we would just all benefit from that. Yeah, when we started this podcast, we put the word Catholic in the name because we just wanted to be really upfront. We wanted people to know that we're not going to blindside you by talking about Catholicism. It's kind of who we are, so we're going to talk about it at some point. So we're going to throw it in the title and then people will know. So at this point, if you're still listening to us and you're not Catholic or you're not even Christian, or you disagree with us on lots of stuff, then we feel really honored that you're still listening to us because I think that says a lot about who you are and, and how humble you are that you're willing to 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 have ideas come to you that you know might not be your ideas. Yeah, that's really inspiring. So thank you. Absolutely. So it's spring here on the homestead. We're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. We've been really busy. Things are growing and changing every day, and it's really exciting. It's really exciting to see the herbs I planted last year coming back. We've got seeds everywhere in our house that it works. We've got them around every window. and It's a greenhouse. Yeah, our bedroom looks kind of, funny. kind of like a greenhouse. It's probably hilarious when people drive by because... Our bedroom, we've got seeds by the window. It's the southern-facing window. Yeah, you can't really see the seeds. And I've got grow lights going, too. So when you drive by, you just see this big window with these lights. Right, well, we leave the shades open, you know, so that the sun can come in. And then sometimes we'll forget to shut the shades, and it'll get dark out. And then there's these bright lights. Yeah, it's really funny looking. <laughs> People are probably driving by like, what the heck is going on there? So... Our mushrooms. Right. Okay, so that's the other thing. We've got a, a harvest of mushrooms that came in this week, which was so exciting for me. I planted the mycelium. So the mycelium is the fungus that's growing, and then the mushrooms are the fruit of the mycelium. So I ordered some King Strafaria. It's called a wine cap mushroom. 
uh, last year. And because we do so many things with wood chips, I just mix them in with a bunch of the wood chips where I'm growing my fruit trees. And this fungus is really, really good at breaking down wood chips. So it's kind of incredible when you when you go to see where I've mixed it in, there's actually indentations in the wood chips there because it's breaking them down faster than everywhere else. But uh, we were out there and sure enough, a bunch of mushrooms came up and it was really exciting. So we harvested probably five or six pounds of mushrooms. Yeah, they're huge mushrooms. And I was a little scared to eat them because mushrooms can be poisonous. So I kept saying, like, how do you know? Are you sure these are the mushrooms you planted last year? Because you have mushrooms kind of right. growing up all over. There's, I mean, there's mush. There's so many different kinds of mushrooms. And if you, have, if you don't know what you're doing, you should not be eating mushrooms. Yeah. But that's one of the things that's great about this kind of mushroom is it looks different than any other kind of mushroom. So it's easy to pick out. And I knew where I had planted it. Yeah, I was scared, though. So Pete ate them it first. It is. It's still a little weird. And we, then when he, I was like. You put that first bite in your mouth and you're like, like here's to not dying. Well, I actually Googled poisonous mushrooms and it, they did look like the right mushrooms they were the wine cap mushrooms that you planted last year yeah. and they were so pete ate them first and when he didn't die then <laughs> i ate them <laughs> they're delicious and they were so good oh my gosh yeah. with parmesan cheese and butter and they were amazing yeah our and, seven-year-old even and they're them. i don't know what the technical word is but they're perennial they're gonna come back they'll fruit a couple times a year and uh i'm excited i think they freeze pretty well supposedly but one less thing we'll be buying in the store. Yeah, it's so interesting when you learn about the benefits of each of these different vegetables. So there's just so many, so much really cool information about mushrooms. Right. So if you're interested in doing that, they're great because they grow in wood chips. And the idea is that you just need to put more wood chips or leaves or something that they can eat on top of them every few months, uh, every three to four months. And other than that, they kind of take care of themselves. And it's called King Strafaria. And the other word is... Uh, wine cap mushrooms and it's one of the easiest ones to grow yeah they're so good so delicious so we have been talking about how amazing and wonderful homesteading is and we've had a few requests for us to talk about the things that we find hard about homesteading so this was actually a little bit difficult we are kind of talking the other day about what we think is hard and we were finding that we were just not in agreement like things that I thought were hard Pete was kind of arguing me a little bit about why they're not hard and things that Pete finds hard I didn't find hard at all and so we found it a little bit difficult to think about this podcast but then we realized that that's perfect we can give different views from our different personalities of what we find hard. Pete's more introverted. Right. I'm the introverted guy and Kristen's the extroverted girl. So, so of course things are going to be different. They're going to be hard. Something that's hard for me is not going to be hard for Pete and vice versa. So we'll kind of share from the different perspectives of what is difficult about homesteading. Let's do it. Yeah. So the first thing that came to mind for me was kind of the isolation that you feel in homesteading. Now I'm not isolated or lonely for company. I have a lot of great friends who come out and visit me. I have a lot of moms who share my faith and we homeschool. So I'm not at all isolated for company. But sometimes I feel like I'm kind of the only one living this way. And as a big extrovert who wants to share my life and talk about things, I'm kind of the only one that is that has a dairy cow, <laughs> basically. And what I compare it to is when I had my first baby, I was so blessed. And I almost think that God knew what I needed because Pete and I talked about last time how it, it took us three years to have a baby. And in a sense, that was really a blessing because when I had a baby, all my best friends were having babies too. So it was, we were all not sleeping. We were all understanding nap time. We were all 
postpartum and not ourselves because you know with that first baby that you're not yourself. So everything's really hard, but you don't feel alone in it. No. I was like, well, my friend's up all night tonight too. I'm not the only one. And as a big extrovert and a very re- I'm a very relational person, that was just so comforting to know that other people were doing this too. And I've heard, I've read stories or heard people talk about it when they're the first ones to have a baby. No one can really understand your situation unless they're living that situation too. Unless they're like an amazing person, it's really hard to understand the importance of a nap time and how you you need that for your sanity. It's really hard to understand a mother who has to nurse a baby and all of a sudden her life is just completely different and you know, she might, if she's the first one of her friends, her friends are like, oh, just get a sitter and come out with us. And she's like, yeah, I remember wondering sometimes with my friends who had babies, like, well, why aren't they, why don't I see them anymore? Why aren't they coming out more? Because <laughs> they, they have a baby. Yeah. yeah. We would, we would do this um, Monday night prayer meeting and it started at like seven or seven thirty, And then our friends who started having babies first kind of stopped coming. And we were like, don't they love Jesus anymore? Why aren't they coming to the prayer meeting? And then you realize that mom and dad have been with this fussy baby all day long. They need that baby to go to sleep at seven o'clock for their own sanity. And if that baby, you know, people might say like, oh, just keep that baby up later. Okay, well, that baby was going to wake up early the next morning and be fussy all day long. So I'm the one who's going to suffer because my baby stayed up late. Or, you know, people might say, get a sitter. And and that's really hard because it's like, okay, well, I've got to find someone who's trustworthy and pay them a lot of money. And then what the heck am I supposed to do while we're all out? And like, I need to breastfeed my baby, you know? So, I mean, there's just certain things that it's really nice when you have people that are in the same boat as you. So with homesteading, we're the only ones who have to just, who have to bring in the cows in the evening, who have to milk the cow in the morning. And, and people might just say things like, oh, just leave your chores for a day and come out to this thing. And you can leave your dishes in the sink or you can leave the dirty laundry, but you can't not give your animals water. You can't not feed your animals. You can't not milk your cow. And for me, sometimes it can be isolating that I don't have anyone who just is in it with me. Even if they're not physically with me, they're in it with me emotionally and they're doing the same thing. So sometimes I have this feeling of isolation. And my hope is that Pete and I can kind of be there for other families who want a homestead and that they won't feel alone. So when we got our dairy cow, when I would research things about a dairy cow, I would find things about massive dairies or big farms. I found very little about just a little family cow. And, you know, Pete and I hope to be there for people who want to do the same thing. If you want to ask a question about a cow, you've got someone that you can come to. Like when my cow was covered in flies, I was trying to find someone to tell me a natural way to get rid of the flies. And I can tell you, do not spray your cow with vinegar because (laughs) you might die. (laughs) Last year, I wanted to get flies off my cow. And I read, oh, natural ways, spray your cow with vinegar. My cow did not like that. Cows don't typically kick, but I had a hoof, literally, what, how, how many inches from my yeah, face? Yeah, it was close. You were there. It was like yeah. six inches. It happened so fast. From my you know, face. Yeah, and she's a sweet cow, but... She didn't like that vinegar. She, she did not So like don't that. spray your cow with vinegar, yeah. <laughs> no matter what the blogs say. We've learned how to deal with flies. But yeah, we've got a great it. fly situation set up, so we, we can talk about that when we do our Mighty Milk Cow podcast. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, that feeling of isolation when people say, oh, come and stay out late okay, but I've got to, we've got to bring in the cows. We've got to milk them in the morning. And no one, I don't, 
hold it against anyone. No one understands because it's not the life that you're living and you really only know what you know. Well, and the things you're excited about, you want other people to be excited about. Yeah. So that's part of it, you know. Yeah. Just, just being able to share your excitement, your ideas. and Yeah, right. Yeah, so, having questions about stuff, definitely. Yeah, we're kind of figuring this out on our own. And we live in an area, we're kind of 25 minutes outside of Baltimore. We're still on the, the brink of suburbia. We're not like out in the Midwest where there might be more people living like this. I don't know, but we're really the only ones in our area. So it's going to be interesting. Even when we go to like, when our kids start doing religious set at the church and we just say, uh, yeah, we got to bring in the cat. Like no one's going to understand that. It's just, there's not a same mindset. And that's, Pete doesn't really care about that. Um, yeah. This isn't a big problem for me. Yeah. Cause you're more introverted. You're not as relational right. as I am. But for me being a relational person, it's hard to kind of feel misunderstood or, kind of alone in it. But again, I'm not lonely for company. I've got awesome friends that I see very often, but I think that would be my top thing is just feeling like I'm the only one forging this path right now. Yeah, no, I can relate to that some though in terms of when we're doing something new and kind of complicated like the cows and just, I've got a million questions and uh, the farmer who sold us the cow, we were able to call him and ask him some stuff, but he does things his way and it would be nice to just have perspective for how different people do things. And it was, it was hard to find a lot of that information and right. we didn't know a lot of people we could personally contact to talk things over with. There's a lot of people out there doing cows on a more commercial level and there's very few people doing it on a homestead level. And so, yeah, I think as we build our community of people who who are doing homesteading also or just ways of getting information, that, that's been easier. Yeah, I hear from a lot of families who would love to live like this, but it's really hard uh, to afford land. Yeah, right around now. here. So we're in Maryland and we're outside of Baltimore, but you know, from D.C. all the way up to New York. Yeah, land is very... Land is so expensive. Land is very expensive. So I have like a perpetual prayer going for families to get land, and we just hope to be kind of just offer ourselves as a friend to those people. Right. Okay, so here's one that's been hard for me. And I noticed this beginning when we first had kids, is there's this like letting go that has to happen when you have kids of of like your baby doesn't know how to eat, so they put... They put food all over their mouth every time they eat anything, They're, and then they rub it in their hair, and then they want to give you a big hug, and it's like there's there was constantly just food being splattered all over everything. <laughs> no matter how hard you try and clean it, it stuff just gets everywhere, and um, and then life just there's so much more to do. It was like you know things aren't getting done. Things that this idea that I could have this nice like tidy existence where everything that I was trying to do could get accomplished perfectly. You just have to totally let that go. And so that was true when we had kids and then we had four kids, it gets magnified. And then coming out here on the homestead, the reality is, is we want to do so many things. A lot of them just aren't going to always be done perfectly. So it's going to, you know, things are, little things are going to break and they're just going to sit there for a while and they'll get a fixed eventually if they're important. And you start having to figure out what is important and necessary so that we can do what we want to do and what is not so necessary and it can just sit there. And I think that that's hard, especially for uh, some people want to have everything very controlled and ordered and clean and neat. And when you do homesteading and you want to do a whole lot, you kind of just have to let some of that go. And there's a lot of things when you look around, they're about 80% done. Mm -hmm. And 80% 
is enough to make them functional and even functional, you know, doing well. But to get that last 20% done would require way too much effort and, and then other things would start slipping. So, um, yeah, for me, I've had to just kind of really let that go and be okay with that and kind of learn to not let it bother me. And if I walked around a 10 acre farm and a big house and, you know, all the things that we're trying to accomplish as parents and I got bothered by things that weren't getting done as fast as I wanted them to, I would be so stressed out. I would just be stressed out all the time. And I don't want to live that way. I want, I want this to be a fun experience, something that's building me up, not something that's like, oh, I got to do this and this and this and this. And so there's been plenty of times where in, you know, in my thought life, I've had to just consciously make an, an act of letting that go be like, oh, it'll get done when it gets done. And if something's really important, it gets done quickly. Yeah. <laughs> if, if there's a, you know, fencing that needs to get done so that the cows don't run out on the street, that's going to get done immediately. And so some things happen quickly and other things. Yeah. Not so much. Well, you'll be surprised at what things all of a sudden become a priority. So you want to do one thing, but then your dog is running out in the street, scaring people. So all of a sudden everything drops and that's the priority. So you have to do the priorities first and you might not even know what the priorities are until something goes wrong. Right. All those priorities are led by function. Yeah. Like whatever has to happen is going to be what leads the priority list. And so a lot of times that means I have to reorient my priority list because it's working out differently than how I had planned. <laughs> Containing animals has been probably the bulk of what we've wanted to do, even though that's lower on our priority list. It had it's the most important. Yeah, you can't I can't have animals running down the road. I was like, oh, the animals should just kind of take care of themselves, but <laughs> <laughs> they need fencing. <laughs> yeah, only when only once you get everything set up. <laughs> we have we live our our area is so funny. It's like a mix of farm and then just like new houses and and neighborhoods, but sometimes the farm animals get loose. <laughs> So one time I was taking a, a walk in the woods and somebody's sheep were like running loose in the woods. And then the next day I'm jogging down the road and someone's goats are out in the road. And this is like a neighborhood too. It was so oh, yeah. funny. I went to get the poor goat. They were, they were repaving the road and there was like six workers looking around at this poor goat that had gotten kind of like stuck in the asphalt. These big men could, were afraid to pick up this little goat that was stuck in asphalt. It. Yeah, so I went there with our van, which our <laughs> our minivan is also my pickup truck. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, wait, Justin's friends get in the in our van. Our our oldest son's friends, and they're like, "Why is there mulch in your van?" <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have a truck one day, but it hasn't been high enough on the priority list to happen yet. So our van is our truck, and so I threw the poor goat in the back of the. <laughs> the minivan and, and found its owners found its owners yeah yeah so you don't want your farm animals running down the street in a neighborhood so yeah. if, if there if our cows ran down the it hasn't street hasn't happened yet it got close a couple ridiculous. times ridiculous yeah so you have to find what's important and then the other things might fall to the wayside i've got a couple garden beds and these i have my herb be- beds and those are most important but when i moved in there's some beautiful gardens that aren't getting weeded that need to get weeded and we need to put mulch down on them and yeah just you can't you're going to have to be okay with things not being done. And I'm fine. That doesn't bother me like it bothers you, Pete. No, so. I mean, I, I think I'm okay with it. I've learned about weeds is like, okay, we're not going to get to that bed this year. Yeah. Well, it'll survive. You yeah. know? Once we get to it, we'll just throw a bunch of mulch on it and it'll be yeah. okay. And going along with that, so you can't get to everything. When you're homesteading, you're going to just start learning. You're going to come into this new world of just all the amazing things you can do. So you might be doing cows, and then all of a sudden you hear about pigs and what pork tastes like when it's properly raised and how different it tastes when it's properly raised. And, and you'll hear about 
I don't know, turkeys and goats and, and you just want to do everything. Yeah, if you're listening to this amazing. podcast, you probably like listening to podcasts like me. And so I listen to podcasts and I hear every possible idea that you can do for homesteading. And I'm like, I want to do that and that and that. Yeah. And uh, got to slow down every once yeah, in a while. And so sometimes there can be this feeling of, oh, I'm not, I'm so behind. Sometimes I look out on our orchard and I'm like, I want this to be, you know, bigger. I want that, you know, I, I feel like we're behind. We we're, we've only been doing this for two years and I want to do so much more, but you have to just realize that you have to let that go. You can't think that way. And yeah. And I've heard from a lot of people that's advice they give is that slow down. Don't do so many things at the same time. And we've done a ton of stuff at the same time. Uh, and we hit our, we hit our limit when we did the cows and we're right. like, well, we got to slow down and make sure we get these cows really set up because there's a lot going on here. Yeah. But Pete yeah, and you got to slow down and take things one at a time. If you talk to anyone who knows Pete and I, which is not what we do, um, they'll tell you we're crazy. We're insane. Like we, we moved in here, didn't know anything about homesteading and did it all right away. And that's how we are. And that's how we needed to do it. We needed to just dive in and we did a ton of stuff and, and we didn't do everything perfectly but we just did it all we wanted to just we did we got our chicken coop we got 24 chickens we got the puppies puppies are crazy yeah that <laughs> was nuts the, the cats we got um we put in an orchard we did a vegetable garden we did the cows a dairy cow a beef cow and we didn't know anything and that's just how we are but i would hope that no one else would do that because you might like kill yourself yeah well it really was the animals that added a lot of stress to that. So I planted a hundred different things and I knew that 50 of them were going to fail. And it's like, who cares if it, you know, if a certain type of pepper doesn't work out, it's just going to die. And now I know that that one's not so good here. But when it came to the animals, it's like these things really require the right setup. When you're going to contain animals in, in a, in a residential setting, it needs to be done correctly. And so that, you know, yeah, I, I I would definitely recommend going a little slower with the animals maybe yeah. than we did. And when you hear something, just just keep it in the back of your mind. Maybe you get to it in five years. Maybe we'll do pigs in five years. Uh, or yeah, absolutely. Rabbits, rabbits are kind of cool. Yeah, there's <laughs> lots of things that we think are cool. Yeah, so. yeah. You want to do a duck pond? Yeah, I would love to have a pond. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I wish I could just like have a quick glimpse of what this homestead will look like in 10 years, but you have to give it the 10 year. We have to give it 10 years. Right. Um, right. So, okay. Oh, the other hard thing. This is really hard. Dishes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hate dishes. I'm not going to like, I hate them. I hate dishes. I hate doing dishes. I hate just staying there by myself, staring at a wall doing dishes. You like dishes. I right? love dishes. I think they're relaxing. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's water involved and you get to just sit there and, and kind of make things clean. Yeah. But I'm, <laughs> I'm away at a job, you know, most of the day, most yeah. of the week. And then even in the evening, you know, I, I try and do as many dishes during the weekend as I can, but yeah. you know, I'm taking care of the animals and doing lots of other stuff. Yeah, I, I have the best, all. I'm the best husband ever. He like takes care of the farm, works best ever. I think you are the best husband ever. He works <laughs> a full-time job. And at nighttime after dinner, he typically does the dishes, which is so helpful to me because I literally do dishes all day long. From the moment I wake up, there's all the milk gear. And then I try to, we don't really eat a ton of processed foods. And that's not, you know, that's not something to feel bad about. I, you know, if we go to parties, my kids eat whatever. We sometimes splurge on the processed food, but we don't eat that much. So I bake our own breads. We make our butter. We make our 
yogurt, we um, make eggs. It would be a lot easier if I just gave my kids a granola bar or something, but I don't really do that. We make the food and it just, I feel like every meal there's a ton of dishes. So that to me is really hard because I don't like doing dishes. Yeah. Well, we're in this spot. So our oldest is seven years old, which is still too short to like get to the sink very well. And then our youngest is two. We've got four little, little kids who aren't really capable of doing their own dishes. So that's hard to begin with. And then on top of that, we are trying to make as much of our food as we can. I've got a friend who's going on a no carb diet and he's been doing it for a while. And one of the things he noticed is that he's making a lot of his own food a lot more than he did before. And I think that's just what happens is we're used to buying a whole bunch of pre-made or partially made or easy, ready to use snacks and food from the store. And when you cut a lot of that stuff out, you just realize that this, you, you make a lot, a lot of food and that means a lot of dishes. Yeah, it would be so much easier to just open some package and give it to my kids and there'd be no cleanup and they would eat it and like it and they would be filled up. But Pete and I are always kind of asking if something, if there's low costs up front, where are you paying the cost down the road? So yeah, I wouldn't have to do a lot of dishes, but what is it doing to my kids' bodies and brains and, and all that to be eating all this processed food? I'd rather them get, you know, just real food and I'd rather be eating real food and I'd rather pay that cost of dishes up front. And hopefully the day will come when I've got four strapping young boys that can help me with the dishes and make their own food. That would be, that's awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that leads exactly into what for me is the hardest part of life right now. And I've got to, I've got to set this up because I love kids. I mean, we have four kids. The reason we we have four kids is because we want a family. I mean, we love kids. and This farm um, would be so boring and lifeless without the children. The children make this worth doing. It's the greatest work of our life. It's our, you know, the biggest mission we have is to, to raise our kids. However, from at least what it's been for us from the age of one to three, they are tyrants. Mm. I mean, they are zero to three, tyrants. zero to three. Oh my Birth goodness. Yeah. We have like the hardest babies ever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh my, and They're toddlers, one year olds. <laughs> oh my goodness. Two year olds. And it's like, oh my gosh, you, you, you make them the food they want and then they yell and scream and throw it. And, and, uh, you know, we've, we've done everything we know how to do to bring as much order as possible, but there's just this constant level of patience of being like, okay, you know, we can do this, you know. We say that our kids get awesome at three. I mean, I, I know other people have different experiences where they're like, they're like, three, my children, they turn crazy at three. We have it so hard until about three. Right. And then they become amazing. Yeah. Then they become awesome. <laughs> um. <laughs> so the tyranny of toddlerism is what I call it. But anyway, they're, they're just, it's a. Uh, it's, it can be overwhelming. It has absolutely overwhelmed me and caused me to have to grow up to a level that I never thought I could probably get to. And, uh, and every single day having to deal with the mess and the whining and the crying. And uh, I think it's so hard for them when they can't communicate. So they want to express something and they don't know how to do it. And, and then, you know, my one, my two-year-old wanted sausage and I told him he was getting sausage. He was so excited. He was running around, you know, squealing about sausage. And then, and then I gave it to him. And it it wasn't like in the form that he expected. It looked different, and he flipped out about it. Why did it look different? Did you cut it? I, I had cut it to make it cook faster, so it was okay. it was like sausage cut in half, and 
and uh, you know, in his mind, that wasn't sausage anymore. So. Yeah, the things that they can just. Like, and I'm like, oh, I just, you know, I just cooked sausage, and and now I've got dishes to do, and it took my time, and then he's, he's, you know, he doesn't even want to go near it. And yeah, just the need that and the de- the demand of babies and toddlers, it's just, it is constant, and we have the kind that are like really clingy and want you to hold them all the time, and the, it's, I mean, it, toddlers. They can be yeah. tyrants. Yeah, <laughs> and it can feel suffocating. It really can. When you think, there's so many things I want to do, I really want to accomplish a lot, and I'm I'm spending my best energy caring for a needy baby who's who's just not going to be happy no matter what I do right now. That can that can feel so demeaning in a way. And mm-hmm. of course it's not. I mean, of course it's like I say, taking, you know, raising our kids is the most important thing that we're doing, but in that moment it can feel really suffocating. Yeah. I had a friend, so I've got four kids. She had four kids and then she got pregnant with her fifth and she said to me, "You are she came over to the homestead and she's like, "You're so brave. I couldn't do this." And I looked at her and I'm like, you are pregnant with your fifth child. You are so brave. That is so oh, much yeah. harder than homesteading. We feel like people are afraid of commitment. They're afraid of being tied down. They're afraid of um, all the things that homesteading entail. And we say, if you can handle children, you can handle this. Yeah, nothing about homesteading has come close to the challenge of, of having a family. Yeah, of babies and toddlers for us. Babies and toddlers. Yeah, I, I take back the family part. Babies yeah. and toddlers. <laughs> yeah, babies and toddlers for us is just so demanding and exhausting. And we feel like if you can do that, then you can definitely handle a homestead. Yeah. This almost is a distraction from that, honestly. This gives our kids something to run around and do. It gives us like, hey, go out to the barn, get away from the fussy toddlers. Right. So it's funny. I'll go outside sometimes, and I'm I'm going to take care of the cows. I got the two older boys with me, and I can just hear like a baby screaming <laughs> through the window. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm getting out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing the easy thing. Yeah, exactly. So if you can handle babies and toddlers, you are you are equipped for homesteading. <laughs> Okay, so then the other the other hard thing that people ask us about, this is something that people seem really, it just, everyone asks about vacation. Everyone says, how do you take a vacation? What do you do about vacation? Right, so then the, the, the thing you do around here, I think in a lot of places, is you, you live your life and you go to school and you work, and then a couple times a year, you take a week or two off and go on a vacation. We're in Maryland, so a lot of times that means going to the beach. Yeah. And, and it's like one of the highlights of the year. It was one of the highlights for me growing up. I mean, I loved it. I looked forward to it. It was so much fun. And I, you know, I still love going to the beach. It's a lot of fun. But. Yeah, I am a beach girl. So I would go to the beach, and I can lay out on the beach from 8 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock at night. Did not wear sunscreen. Bad idea. Well, yeah. now we're finding all the things wrong with sunscreen, but <laughs> yeah, whatever. I, I was really into getting tan. But yeah. anyway, I, I love the ocean. I love everything about the ocean. And so people ask, how do you, how do, you do a vacation? And right now, we're in a time in our life where it's just not that important to us. We don't really find it relaxing to take a bunch of children, young children, to the beach. For us, right. well, it's most like, of what we liked about the beach 
is different when you're trying to give a two-year-old a peanut butter jelly sandwich and they drop it in the sand and then try and eat it and yeah. then have a poop and like yeah. <laughs> for us the beach is not fun not with little kids it's like everyone's fussy they don't like having the sand all over them or they're trying you you want to keep them away from the water because you don't want them to like drown in the ocean it's just not relaxing it's kind of stressful last year we just sat out on we didn't go to the beach but Pete took a week off and we just decided we wouldn't work that much we would just do fun stuff we would go fishing go hiking just hang out on the farm and we were just you know sitting in chairs out on the lawn and drinking beer and the kids were all playing and we were like thank god there's not an ocean nearby this is so much more relaxing yeah Um, we will go to the beach someday when our kids get older and we have the homestead kind of up and running more we can we are trying to set these systems up so they can take care of themselves and so that that gets a little tricky with the cows but we absolutely believe that we're working towards a point where we could leave for a week and have somebody do a, a minimal amount of work here to take care of the animals um so we do think that's in our future. It's not like we'll never get to take a vacation. Because I do hear people say that sometimes. Is They'll say something like, well, if you have animals, even if you have chickens, you'll never take a vacation again. I I don't agree with that. I really don't. I think that that we're setting up systems to be like a perennial plant where you give it the right environment and then it comes back and it kind of takes care of itself. Um, it's more complicated than that, a lot more complicated than that with the animals. But I think that it is possible to to set things up here so that somebody who doesn't have a ton of skill can still take care of it uh, for a period of time. Yeah, the day will come where we will want and need a vacation and we'll figure out a way to take a vacation. But right now, just being on the farm, like you go on a vacation to kind of get away from your life and to be around beauty and and relax we kind of already have that i look out the window and it's just so peaceful and beautiful i feel like right now if i was away i just want to be back here we don't really need to escape this we don't need a break from this and that day will come definitely in a couple years i'm sure but right now we just want to be here we don't really want to go anywhere and it's beautiful and relaxing and fun and this is where we want to be right and then that is a little bit of a paradigm shift in that what do we go on vacation for? And it's to get away and relax and be able to spend time with each other instead of getting distracted by lots of other things. And so that's true, but we're also working to have the homestead become more like a vacation all the time. Yeah. Like to be surrounded by beauty and nature and to be spending a lot of time together. And so we feel like a lot of the need that we might have for vacation, we're trying to set up our property so that that's just how we live all of the time. And so, yeah, that's that's part of the paradigm shift. Yeah, right. So the other question that people ask a lot is, is it a lot of work? And I guess... I guess this is a lot of work. Yeah. What? It depends on how you define the word work. Yeah. Is it a lot of doing stuff? Yeah, we do a lot. Yeah. I guess when, when I hear people say, oh, you know, that's a lot of work, the connotation there is that you're doing something very uncomfortable or something you don't want to be doing, and that's what work means. And so there's a lot that we're doing here, especially because we're we're in the phase of implementing so many things. We're not just maintaining them. We're not just, you know, like we set up the chickens. That was a lot of work. And now it's not, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot of time, but it was a lot to implement. Yes. Yeah, so if we were to say what is hard about homesteading, we've talked about those things. We wouldn't say work is hard. We enjoy it. It's fun work. It's, 
It's life-giving. And I think our bodies are happy when they're working. Our bodies want to work and we sit at desks all day long and then people don't feel good because their body isn't working. So they go to a gym and they work out for however long. We don't, Pete and I are both very in good, very good shape. We don't go to the gym. We just work on the farm and then we're getting so much out of it. We're outside with our family. We enjoy using our bodies. We enjoy working. Right. Well, the statistic I saw is that your average American watches three and a half hours of television a day. And I think that if, if your mindset has become one of what I do with hours and hours of my day is sit down to be entertained, then I would say, yeah, this is a lot of work, you know, but I don't think that's how we want to live our life. You know, that's, we want to be doing something. And I think that that's way more life-giving for your average human. And we do watch television. We absolutely watch television and shows together sometimes, but the two, to for humans, we're meant to be doing activities that are more engaging with our body and with our mind. And so, yeah, if, if, if I look at somebody who does something different, like uh, lives, you know, maybe as a bicycler and cycles all the time and they spend hours and hours doing that. Is it a lot of work? It would seem like work to me. I don't really have a desire to do that, but for them, it's what they want to do. Right. Right. So that's kind of our mindset on work. It's fun. And this is what we want to be doing. And if you, if it is work, if you don't like it, then you don't have to do it. (laughs) Right. But it's not, that's not one I've ever really agreed with is that, you know, when I'm out here on my homestead, it's so life giving to me. I love being outside. There's different tasks that I do from time to time because they need to be done and I don't enjoy that task. Yeah. Uh, but in general, you know, the, the 80 to 90 percent of the time that I'm out on my homestead, I just I really enjoy spending time doing it. Yeah. It's, for, to us, it really beats a gym. So we racked our brains before this podcast to try to come up with all the hard. And this was all we could come up with. So, and I think dishes is a big one. Yeah. Well, okay. So we asked our seven-year-old what is really hard about being a homestead for him. So he said that sometimes there's trees on the property that he can't climb. Yeah. So if, yeah, if that's you, beware. You might not be able to climb all the trees. (laughs) You might not be able to climb all your trees. Yeah. And then our three-year-old said when we run out of syrup and we're trying to make pancakes. He did? Yeah. We'll throw that one in there too. (laughs) Uh, I hope this is helpful to to kind of understand, uh, you know, some of the things that are difficult for us and anticipate that if you're going to be doing a homestead. But yeah. And if you're like me and you're an extrovert and you want someone to talk about homesteading with, always feel free to send an email. Yeah. We can chat homesteading. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.